In this episode, we talk about whether or not it makes sense for an early stage bootstrapped company to hire a marketing agency for help. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? We hit a kind of a medium-level milestone. Um, medium-level? Medium-level. We hit three and a half million ARR. That's which, awesome. You know, when you're small, you're like, Every you're like every time we 10x we'll celebrate, and then you get bigger, and you're like every time we double. And now I'm like, we added, uh, you know, fifteen percent or whatever, and that's eh, we got to celebrate something, right? <laughs> we we added a, it's a round number. We need to celebrate. Yeah, although you can change what around is is three point five really all that round? But anyway, yeah, we're at three and a half million error, so I'm happy about that. Uh, the um, I was gonna say like you're worth uh, thirty five million dollars now. Yeah, well, maybe maybe according to yesterday's multiples, I am. I'm not sure that companies are going for that anymore. (laughs) Well, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I this is going to sound so stupid, but especially like I hate um, appearing like I'm exaggerating. There's so much exaggeration in business, and then any time I'm talking about revenue, I always have to be like, well. We're at like 3.47 million ARR because I don't want to say three and a half and be technically wrong. And now I can say three and a half and I'll round down and that's much easier. Until you hit four and then you'll go or yeah. 3.75 or something like right. that. And, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we're having a big uh, party as a company in August for, we. I kind of regret this. We celebrate user milestones instead of uh, revenue milestones. So we are celebrating 25,000 users, which we hit during the pandemic, but we've got a big party coming up for that. Woohoo. Yeah. Uh, do people, when you hit milestones like this and you get excited about it, do they also get excited about it? Or is this something that, um, is just sort of like, everyone's like, and then moves <laughs> no, on with their day. Uh, so stuff, if, if I'm like post something in Slack, like I posted this three and a half million thing in Slack and people give some emoji reactions. I'm like, that's the end of it. No one cared at all. Um, I think you can signify, you can get people to care by making it a big deal. So like a, a minor version of this is like get swag for it, like get a t-shirt or a coffee mug or whatever that says like celebrates the milestone, whether it's shipping a feature, hitting a revenue goal. People care about that more. Um, we make a point. So we we have parties uh, at our office t- twice a year, maybe. We make a point of when we're celebrating something, doing it different, like renting out a venue, doing something different. And that way it feels a little more special for people. And they do respond to that. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, then I, I, I think oh, that I, I th- you're always so good at celebrating. I just want to call you out for that. I oh, think you're really you. good at it. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people who are driven are not, let me, uh, let me say something also that people might like one reason you might skip it over is because like you're you're on to the next thing, you're working and also like the celebration is often like a month and a half after you hit the milestone because like you need time to plan it and stuff. One of the coolest things about celebrations, in my experience, is years later, when you're when you're hanging out with like 10 people and like only three were around for that old milestone, it's kind of like telling war stories, sort of. I do think most of the benefit of creating memories like that doesn't ha- it's not in the moment but it like sets up long-term culture where then the new people are like wow i can't wait for the, the people talk so much about the 10,000 user party like literally robert on our team met his like 
like life partner there like things <laughs> happened at this event and like newer people like i can't wait for the 25k party because like the everyone talks about the 10k party so fondly that's awesome let's so. get let's go get more users yeah absolutely the, the the thing i regret though is we raise prices so now our user growth is close to flat even though our revenue growth is still going up and so like we're not going to be able to celebrate another year, user milestone for a long long time uh, until you're you crack the code on some of your marketing stuff yeah, that's true. But I, I think probably the next party will be revenue based, but like a <laughs> five five million maybe. That'd be nice. 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 Uh yeah, what's going on with you? Um I am ramping up sort sort of my uh I'm I, I'm last time we updated, I was sort of refocusing my energy on leg up health to things that actually help JD grow the business versus like worrying about things that don't matter. And so since then I have started ramping up even more activity in that regard. So I've signed up for several, um, in-person networking events in Utah, um, in July and August. And these kind of serve two purposes. I can go there and, you know, develop opportunities for windfall. I can go there and develop opportunities for leg of health, new opportunities may present themselves. And so, um, it's like a, one of the best uses of time for me and the situation I'm in. So yeah. I'm, I'm got tons of networking stuff planned. Who knows what it'll lead to, but it's great. Um, and then um, we are evaluating uh, chambers of commerce. We actually made a decision on this today. So um, I put this on here. And then, of course, our meetings on Thursdays. And so we made a <laughs> it's decision. It's too late. It's too late. But I'm to not going to tell it. you the decision. Okay. And we're going to talk about this as if I hadn't made the decision. And then cool. we'll see whether you agreed with me or not. So um, we are you a member of any chambers of commerce? No. I'm not. Have you ever joined a Chambers of Commerce uh, with Less Knowing CRM? I never have. I uh, We've kind of like, so Alex on our team, who's very like schmoozy and likes to like work with people on stuff. He this is, guy is a normal person who is somewhat salesy. He's not, <laughs> he's a business, he's their only salesperson. No, but, but he's like on CRM. boards of nonprofits and stuff <laughs> like that. Like he, he gets it. He likes to have his fingers in lots of different things. He, he has a lot of involvement with our various local chambers and he's actually got like a, I forget what the title is, but like a, he's on like the board of some. Do you pay for that or does he like sort of volunteer his time in exchange for it? I think it's most, I think we pay like a very, very small amount because we are not a member of the chamber that it, what it is, it's a, a coalition of, so St. Louis is a very fragmented area. And so there's like 15 chambers of commerce. And so it's not actually a chamber, but it's like, they're trying to unite everybody. Anyway, I, it's some sort of membership association with some purpose yeah, uh, right. to drive business forward. Okay. I, I'm of the opinion though, I don't understand what the fuck chambers of commerce are for. I, they seem totally worthless to me. Okay. So that's what I thought <laughs> you'd say. Um, so generally, like if you go to a chamber of commerce website, the value proposition is pay some fee per month at a base level. You'll get access to um, in-person networking events, virtual events. Um, you'll get access to a member directory. Um, you'll, they'll, you know, use that money to, uh, work towards, um, general business initiatives, either public policy initiatives or whatever to help you succeed as a business owner. Um, so think of it as like a place where business owners come together to help each other. Um, I, since like a pelt start, started like a pelt, I've not joined any chambers of commerce. Um, but we started talking about it as a, a source of, of sort of networking. And we started looking into chambers of commerce. 
there are lots of chambers of commerce in Utah. There's the Salt Lake City <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. There's the Draper Chamber of Commerce. There, or the South Valley. I don't know what they call it, but uh, there's the Provo one. There's the Park City one. There's the north up north one. There's the down south one. Like or, we have a list <laughs> okay, of ten, same as ten. St. Louis. Then yeah. yeah, and they range in price from like two hundred fifty bucks a year to like the most expensive one is fifteen hundred dollars a year hmm. to join as a member. And so we were going through and like, how do we test this? Like, you know, like is this a good use of of resources, like all joining them, like all of the ones in like our major MSA, like areas, like major population pockets would have been like, it's like $4,000. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the question becomes like, what do we do? Like, should we join these chambers of commerce or should we not? Um, and you kind of start having these conversations around, you know, what's the math? Like how many clients do we need to get to ROI? And, you know, it's roughly a hundred dollars. Like we want to spend less than a hundred dollars in marketing to get, you know, one client. So, $4,000 divided by 140 clients. Do we believe we can do that? We have no idea. Like, right. um, but, but, you know, I want to know what like you would do in this situation where you've got this marketing potential marketing channel. There's like, it's $4,000. Like, I don't know if that's expensive or not. It doesn't seem that expensive. Um, but it's a lot of money, um, for a year commitment. Um, what would you, how would you evaluate this? Um, yeah. So first of all, I, I, it's all relative, but I don't think $4,000, no one can think it's that expensive, especially because like, there's no reason you need to do these all at once, right? Like, I I don't think there's a benefit. Uh, if anything, the opposite might be true that like, you, you th- this is a networking play, right? You go, you talk to people, you shake hands, and that's how you get the clients here. Like, you don't get to like, send an email blast to all the members, right? I don't know. I think well, that's possible. Like we, with Pando, we we do have potentially that opportunity. Okay. But we're a sponsor at Pando, not just a member. So it's always the case, I would say, like, start small and give it a shot and see how it goes. And I, th- I think that's especially the case here because it kind of feels like you can't be an authentic member of 10 different chambers of commerce at the same time. Uh, so I think my instinct is pick one and see how it goes. What, where'd you end up? All of them. You're doing all of them. All of them. Um, <laughs> I, I started where you were. And by the time I was talking to JD, I was like, we are overcomplicating this. It's time to go, and let's just throw all our eggs into this thing uh, for the, like and go. And some of, some of them will work, some of them won't. You're going to develop a relationship somewhere that's going to get you in the door. We don't know which one that is. Uh, maybe they'll but all work. Maybe they all. He can't attend all of these meetings, can he? We're probably not going to attend many meetings. But what mm-hmm. we what we discovered was one: our business is Utah focused. So like any avenue that provides local marketing, like localized, like Utah targeted yeah. marketing is like a special one for us because most of like, if you go to like, let's say we go to a payroll company we want to partner with like paychecks, like they're a national company. Like we can't mm-hmm. serve them. Like most of like the really good part, it's really hard to find like pockets of local marketing groups Two, um, we aren't, we don't necessarily need to attend events to get value out of the chambers. When, when, you're reaching out to consumers or small business owners. Affinity is actually a really important thing to differentiate yourself. So like being a member of something with someone actually mm-hmm. like creates some persuasion that, um, cause I, I am one of you. So this has already worked at Pando where it's like, hi, I'm, you know, Rick Lindquist. I'm a member of Pando. You're a member of Pando. We have that in common. We're also, you know, this, but we should talk, you know, and get to know each other. Um, and so we, we do believe that it will increase, um, the response rates. Like if we were to reach out to these people without being a chamber of commerce member versus 
being a being a member, like the the response rate will go up. That's one hypothesis. Two um, is we get access to the member directories, and and so it's effectively like I don't know how many members they all have, but like it's like four thousand dollars for um, one supporting local businesses. I can get behind that. Two uh, a you know list of people to reach out to and build relationships with, and three in person um, op- other opportunities like in person events to attend for $4,000. So I just pulled the trigger and said, let's do all of them. So, okay, that seems fine. Again, I don't think $4,000 is that big of a bet to place, but like, in what way was it complicating things to only do half of them? Uh, Thinking about it too much instead of just going after after it. Hmm. Oh, let's think about how to make this precise and experiment. And then it's like, oh, how are we going to know if it's successful? Like, you don't know. Like, couldn't you have just gone after it with one of them and then like, like sure. a week later, sure. do the next one. Sure. We could have We've yeah. already done that with Pando. Yeah. I guess I Pando, I, I wasn't thinking that Pando, you, you already had some validation that this works, but, um, cause I, yeah, I think generally there's also benefit with marketing to start small to, to be focused. Right. So you're not spreading yourself too thin. Yeah. And this, in this case, it's like, listen, like if, if our business works and we're growing, it's this stuff, this will work and it will yeah. be a, a, the base level of our marketing budget will be joining membership associations that are Utah focused. Like if, if our business works, this will work. If this doesn't work, our business probably doesn't work. And like, we need to like stop doing this. So like, let's go. <laughs> it was, so that was like the logic. And it's like, let's just like, you have this resource, let's use it and maximize it. And in a year we'll evaluate whether we want to pay, whether we want to pay $4,000 again. All right, but, fair enough. but the reality is like if like we get anything from this and it leads to like one relationship, two relationships, 10 relationships, I don't know. It's probably going to be worth the $4,000 spend just to, because of what that ping pong's into. Yeah. If the, if the choice was spend the $4,000 or spend zero, there's no question it's worth the bet. Um, I, I still, th- I, I don't think I'm convinced that like you shouldn't have just started with a smaller subset, but I, I, I don't think it matters much. We so are spar- like, like the 4,000 is a smaller subset of all chambers in Utah. It mm-hmm. is a targeted list of chambers, but the difference between like, how do you pick between Salt Lake City's chamber and Park City's chambers? Like we want both like go, <laughs> yeah. let's just do both. Like stop like overcomplicating this and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Cool. So well, it felt uh, good to do that. Make, what, make that how decision. How long do you think it'll be before we like, like JD's going after it right away? Like might we get updates on this soon? That's a good question. Um, we are have so many plates spinning right now in terms of experiments. This is just another one we're adding. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how fast we move on this, but I anticipate probably in two to f- either the next episode or the episode after that, we'll probably have some insight into whether this was, you know, you know, leading to immediate opportunity or more of a long haul. Yeah. Cool. But we are like, like <clears throat> brand, I need leg up health to be a brand, like something that has brand awareness, with small businesses. Um, JD does too. And it's like, let's, let's spend money to do that, especially when it's like multifaceted and has multiple opportunities of success. Yeah. That may like kind of my version of this is we have, we, we, we list ourselves in all these like online marketplaces like G2 and Captera, And it's actually a pretty big part of our marketing. And every, anytime someone comes along and it's like this podunk little marketing directory thing, we're like, yep, let's go put our profile up on there. Like we want to be everywhere. Yes, it's it's like it's like a cost of doing business the way you're doing like we're do, we want to do business. So that's that's how that's how I got to it. That's a yeah. great analogy is the G two stuff in the software yeah. space. Um, anyway, I thought that cool. was interesting. Um, yeah, maybe I just uh, wasted money, but I don't think I did. I want to hear more. Um, 
Another update here, we've got a new CRM coach just started. Um, so we actually had three. So as a reminder to people, CRM coaches are kind of our customer service position. Um, we for we went like two and a half years with no one leaving the team and just kind of very experienced team. And then this year, a couple of people left and then one person wanted to switch to a dev role. So we ended up hiring three new uh, CRM coaches this year. And this is the third. So the nice. team... Yeah, I mean, like, not the, the team has not grown. It's the same number of people, but uh, it's kind of fun to. It sucks losing people, obviously, but it's it you know brings a new energy in, and and we kind of keep getting better at hiring, and um, so always fun onboarding a new person. And this also means one of the old CRM coaches is about to start uh, training to be a dev, which is exciting. That is so, man. That is such a cool. Man, I, I always forget like you have this story of, hey, come join us as a ser- customer service person, get paid a lot of money, and then if you want to start a career as a as a software developer, like yeah. how many other companies have that pathway? <laughs> we we actually have limited it a little. So CRM coaches get twenty percent time one day a week. They can work on other projects. It used to be like if you want to learn to code during that one day a week, go for it. We have changed it a little where it's like. You can work on any project you want, but it has to actually be a project for the company. It can't just be pure personal development. Um, but this person went and did launch code, which is kind of like a uh, boot camp type of thing. So she kind of got the basics there. We gave her a, you know, not like a super hard interview, but enough to be like, do you know how loops work and if statements and like, do you get the basics of programming? She did great on it. And so we're like, all right, like y- you did enough on your own that now we can take you from here. So cool. Um, and who like does she report into like Rob, Robert, Robert? Um, yeah. And does he like um, does he get excited about stuff like this, or is it like work for oh, him? Yeah. In the, okay, yeah, cool. No, it's great. But uh, so I have taught because I run the fellowship, which is where we teach people to code. I have taught a lot of people how to code. He's the manager of the dev team. So what we're gonna do is for this new person who's joining the team, I'm going to handle the first. I don't know if it'll be a month or a couple months. I'm kind of going to be the like, you're in training mode. I'm going to teach you how to code and then hand her off to Robert to be like, now you get to learn how to code like a professional because uh, I don't know how anymore. That's smart because then it, like Rob, Robert doesn't get distracted. He can stay focused on the day to day. And then once that person is sort of productive, take them onto the team. And yeah, it's cool. You also get to inject your sort of personal employer brand uh, approach to it. it. It helps me too because like, I don't want to control what the dev team, like, if they're like, are, are we going to use React or Vue as our front end framework? I don't want to make that, like, you got you guys do what you want. But I do kind of want a certain attitude of the developers, which is like, get shit done, don't fixate too much on technical purity, that type of thing. And I like getting to leave my mark on people before they go, because the reality is professional software engineers tend to do a lot of navel gazing and get a little too into that stuff. So yeah, I you like just, you want to, you want to like basically brainwash them into your culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's brainwashing good. is an ugly term, but like yeah, but as a, a startup founder, <laughs> you're constantly brainwashing people. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to hear about this next one. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like in pre in the last number of episodes, uh, I haven't brought great topics. And when I do, I'm always like, I don't have anything interesting to say about this. I, I commented on this last yeah, time. Yeah. And people, then that. people go like, I'm super interested in what you had to say, Tyler. So yeah, I, I guess. Just, I don't but, think, like, yeah. But, but I was like, I didn't used to come in thinking that. And I was trying to figure out why. And the, the best answer I could come up with is I'm kind of in a, 
I'm, I'm in a manager mode right now because of summer. We have a bunch of interns. I'm running the fellowship. I'm going on vacation a bunch, which means the weeks I am working, I'm uh, stuff's piling up. So the economy's crashing. The economy's crashing. I just spend fifty percent of my day looking at the price of Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> hoping it goes down. To be clear, <laughs> um, <laughs> more on that later. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just not diving deeply into much work right now. And so I come here and all I can do is talk about what other people are doing. And as a result, I don't have anything to say about it. I'm just like, here's an update. Someone did a thing. I have nothing else to say about it. Whereas I feel like when you're deep into something, you come across all these little insights, right? You're designing something and you're like, why isn't this design working? Oh, it's because this interaction of things doesn't work. And then you abstract it to some bigger lesson. And then like that becomes a podcast topic. I don't have that type of work going on right now. Mm -hmm. Now. I was about to say, I don't have anything interesting to say about that, but I think I do. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, your reflection on why you don't have good updates turned into a good update? Yeah. Well, (laughs) so so here's my thought on this is a a thing I've been battling with my whole career at Less Annoying, and we've talked about it before, is I want more growth than we have now, like revenue growth. But do I, like, how big do I really want the team to get? Because I think this is foreshadowing what it would be like to be the CEO of a, say, 50-person company is I'd come on this podcast because the thing is what 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 normal CEOs do is they talk about all that stuff the chamber of commerce bullshit they're not not like what you're doing but like what <laughs> Alex is doing right they're like oh yeah i've been meeting with people and shaking hands and forming partnerships and like that's so boring to me uh and the fact that i don't have interesting work to talk about when we have all these interns makes me kind of nervous about like would i enjoy my job if we had 50 employees That is an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> my general gut, like you don't, you could design, I feel like the CEO, founder CEO role of choice, like that you, you were happy with, with more employees. I, I, just, I think That's you true. could do that. Um, It'd be kind of a non-traditional, it's not what like people think of as a CEO though, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I do think like when you own your own company, you can build a, you can kind of build a rollout how you want to spend your time. Um, and but you have to hire someone to do the stuff that you don't want to do. Right. So let's dive into this a little. Um, a kind of classic thing. I shouldn't say classic. It's it's not the most. The most common path is the CEO is a classic tall, handsome man with a full head of hair <laughs> type CEO, you know? Um, Rick over here with all his hair while I'm over here balding. Without uh, tall, without the tall or the handsome well, part. Well, <laughs> you're taller than me. But, <laughs> um, but like, what, like the most common thing is that. But we have seen a, a number of times where... This, the founder wants to stay being the CEO, but doesn't want to do classic CEO stuff. So they hire a COO that kind of does the classic CEO stuff. Like I feel like Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg are probably the highest profile version of this. Um, so I've got to follow up, but like uh, th- that's what you're saying basically. And that seems fine to you. Yeah. I would say that, um, I don't know. Y- yeah. Generally. Yes. So, like, why not make Sheryl Sandberg the CEO? I, I realize she's leaving, so this, I, I mean, like, the Sheryl Sandberg of five years ago. But, like, uh, why not hire someone else to be CEO and just, like, it, it feels, like, a, a bit disingenuous to me, I guess. I mean, you're still, like, the ultimate decision maker. You're still yeah. responsible for making sure there's money in the bank. You're still responsible for, like, driving clarity of the organization and all the important things. You're just not actively managing the day-to-day. I think that's... I, I I don't know that that's I think the important role of a CEO is not managing people day to day. Um, 
Okay. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And then there's other versions like WP Engine with Jason Cohen where or or uh Lucid with our our friend Ben Deltz, who uh just hired a different CEO and kind of stepped down um mm-hmm. from doing that. Stays on the board. Yeah. And like I mean tech like the CEO reports to the owner. So technically you still get to make whatever decisions you want if you hire a CEO. It's just What's the what's the breakdown of yeah I don't know your yeah I guess this could kind of gets into semantics of titles is like who cares like call them whatever you want to call the person whatever you want to call them give them clear roles and responsibilities but ultimately shareholders make the decisions and that's yeah. how it works at you know any company so we probably don't have this situation I don't have a decision to make because we're not growing that fast so like unless we were growing really fast this isn't this won't come up but I would have a decision to make if we ever get growth back like on track of would I rather be the CEO, like a real CEO, and have the company become that next level up, but I'm not sure if I would like it. Maybe I would. Maybe I'd grow into it, but maybe not. Or would I rather hire either a COO or like whatever. I I would be a CEO in name only, but like actually create a different role and be like the the head of product or something. Um, Yeah, I don't have to figure that out, but that's just like a thing in the back of my head. The a, a different vantage point on this, um, what what this conversation got me thinking about is like, would you if do you look at lack of growth as a as a th- threat to the the ability for the for your company to last? Mm. And and if so, like, would you regret not investing in growth as a result of like maybe being right. dead one day? To, to be clear, we are investing. I'm not like deciding not to grow; just it's mm. happening to us. But um, yeah. So yeah, there's the financial side of like, if we don't grow enough to like pay people and give people raises, that wouldn't be good. Um, I mentioned, uh, so while we had our podcast hiatus and I was doing a podcast with Drew Riley from Trends, uh, we did a book report on small giants, which I think there are flaws to the book, but overall worth reading. And one of the points that it made that I thought was interesting, um, one of the companies in the book was... I forget the name of the parent company, but the company that runs Shake Shack. So when the book was written, this restaurant group had decided to stay small. Since then, obviously, they changed, right? They're like huge now. And one of the, the uh, I forget if it's in the book or if I read this separately, they did like, they went back and they were like, what the fuck? You were a small giant and now you're Shake Shack. What happened? And they basically said like, you have to, the 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 main reason we wanted to grow is to create opportunities for employees to step into new levels of responsibility. If you stop opening new restaurants, if you stop expanding, everyone is stuck where they are. So I, to, this is a long way of addressing your question of, do I think the, I don't think the company would die from an economic standpoint if our growth stalled, but I do worry that it would affect who would want to work here and that maybe some of the current employees would feel like they're stagnating. At the same time, I've asked them if they want to work at a bigger company, and they're all like, no, like keep it below 30 or else this is going to lose all the stuff I like about it. So maybe just everyone can't get what they want. Yeah. That's a, it's interesting things to think about. Like yeah. as you um, decide how much to care about certain things like growth versus uh, uh, something, you know, an internship program. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, my next update is going to be long. So why don't we bounce back to you? All right, cool. This is um, a quick one, but early on, I don't know if you remember this, but I had this picture when I built, like when we built like a pelt, I like built it around an ideal customer journey that I had where I was like, people are going to like, this person is going to, you know, buy their own marketplace, 
policy and then a year is going to go by and then they're going to try to get a hold of their agent or someone to help them and they're going to not be able to get a hold of anyone and they're going to get frustrated and they're going to go online and search Google and they're going to find leg up health and they're going to be like, this is the perfect solution that's going to solve all my problems. They're going to create an account. They're going to add their policy. They're going to make us their agent. They're going to get their question answered and they're going to be like telling their friends about it. That happened last week. That's awesome. Tell, and, like, can you can you specific? I know it, it followed like you just said it, but like specifically, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll try. I I feel always uncomfortable talking about specific medical issues. So like I want to talk about this in the context of a a, a made up medical issue, sure. um, versus the one that actually like started it. But like basically, this person um, needed a a service, um, and they weren't sure whether or not uh, their policy covered it and at what level. They had originally enrolled through a to in the market, Utah marketplace through a agent who they called and emailed and wasn't responding. Um, they started searching online. They found Leg Up Health. They uh, created they they um, called or submitted a contact form. JD answers the phone, says, "What's up? Hey, like I'm trying, like I need to make a, deci- a medical decision. I cannot get the answer to this question. Can you please help me?" Um, JD goes, this is what we do. Um, here's how what we can do to work with you. Will you please create an account so we can import your policy? Um, and we'll import your policy, get you your questions answered. And then, you know, if you want to, you can make us your agent. Yeah. Uh, and I, then, sorry, pause. I, I know you can't say the specifics, but the question might be something like, if I go to this hospital, will this be covered? Something along those lines. It was like, one, is this thing covered? It's a unique situation, blah, blah, mm. blah. Like, met, like, is this covered at all? And then, you know, that leads to where and how much yeah. and all that okay. kind of stuff. Cool. Um, and so, you know, j- but just like we answered the phone, we started the That's text awesome. conversation after that. Um, we continued the text conversation over the next week. She's now our client. That's so cool. And happy, right? Like, yeah, thrilled. There's a type of marketing and sales where you're like, we badgered this person into giving us money, even though they weren't sure. But this is like the absolute kind of win-win, the, like capitalism made the world better type of scenario. Yep. That's awesome. And uh, it, like, it just, man, if I could just figure out how to do, make that happen more. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dude, I, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. At the risk of making this about me, um, I, Totally get what you're saying. We we just got the first round of feedback from Demand Maven, the marketing consultant. I, I can't believe that wasn't one of my updates here. Uh, I, there's a second round coming. But one of the things they said, because they did all this research on our customers and the buying journey and all that, and they were like, as soon as your ideal customer finds you, they stop looking for CRMs. They are not comparing you with other ones. They've already tried 15 other ones and hated them all. And the second they, they, they don't even need to get that deep in the second they find out who you are, they're like, oh, this is what I've been looking for the whole time. And their search stops immediately. And I heard that. And I was just like, fuck yeah, A and B, but wait, why aren't we bigger than we are then? And which what is the same thing you just said. How do we find more of these? And then, yes, yeah, that's um, the challenge. Is that phase two? Yeah. So phase one uh, of this project is demand maven kind of getting all this feedback and figuring out what's the right positioning, what's the language, who's the right buyer, things like that. And then phase two is like, okay, how do we go out and actually get those people? Does that mean you could charge more? So uh, probably not. A lot of them, well, maybe a little bit, um, but one of their findings and going into a demand maven was like, we should do a price analysis, right? And I was like, no, we're not going to raise prices no matter what you say. Uh, and they were kind of like, okay, noobs. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were, you know, they're a marketing agency. Of course, they want to recommend that because uh, that's a good idea normally. 
but they did find they were like, yeah, your customers are very price sensitive. So yeah, um, it's interesting. Like you're, you're for the person who doesn't want to spend a lot of money on CRM that mm-hmm. is frustrated with all the other CRMs. Yeah. Which and there's going to be more and more of that, by the way, with like the economy doing what it's doing. I think like businesses that are a cheaper alternative to other things, that's going to make more and more sense. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your topic, but like great feeling. I congrats no, on that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if you figure something out, with demand maven that's transferable like i would love to like pull that out of you i think i'm i think i know what they're going to say because they they did say how are people currently finding us the two main channels they always say everyone says like don't say word of mouth that's bullshit like that's not a real channel they said that's one uh so a professional gave me permission to say word of mouth is how we get customers uh and then the second is seo so i'm guessing they're going to say seo is how you get i so that was i i I know how to do seo and I'll just say like, that's another thing I should update you on after this before I forget about it. I mm-hmm. forgot to put that on here. But the second, the word of mouth, what are the levers for word of mouth? Like, yeah, I obviously like, I would love to hear what they come up with for that because I think the chamber of commerce ultimately is a word of mouth investment. Um, but I don't know how to like, like, ju- like it's not, it's not like someone, you, you can measure whether someone is searching a term and clicking your site and then converting. It's very like, you know, Pie in the sky. Yeah. I realize that your product is very different from my product, but like for me, I, the way I've been thinking about this is like product led growth. Word of mouth is one part of product led growth that you almost can't control. Like you can make people happy, but you can't create the situation where they bump into somebody who's looking for a CRM and they happen to say it to them. But all the other product led growth things is related to word of mouth, like making it so that when someone uses your product, they naturally want other people to doing freemium stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, almost I, like a, it's almost like a, it creates like virality. Like there, there's like a, it, it, you create a virus of some kind or yeah, people. I think virality is yeah. one big category of, th- there's actually a book called product like growth that walks through all the different options. I actually think it's a really good book. Um, that's a but very yeah, original, original name. I, well, I, th- I don't know if they invented it or they popular. I think the book was early enough that they can kind of take credit for it. Well, that is awesome. I will pick like, since you brought up SEO. Mm-hmm. So um, we already wanted to do like a phase two of SEO because we have good tracks on SEO, but we're not investing in it. And I just don't have time. JD, it's not a good use of his time. He's best doing outreach yeah. and stuff. So um, it just so happened that someone on LinkedIn reached out to me. And it was a person like just saying, Hey, I just wanted to connect with you. Kind of annoying LinkedIn message, but the, but it was, I looked at her profile and it was so well positioned and messaged. It was like mm. copywriting services. I was like, this is good. So I replied, I was like, you're a really good copywriter positioning. You know, <laughs> like I'm impressed with your profile. Um, she ends up like winning went to school with Sable. I didn't know this, but like we have personal connections. So I, I'm hmm. going to try to talk to her about doing some contract work for us on SEO Um, but like, I'm just, I'm finding myself because I have increased conviction around the business. I'm just finding myself going like, let's get, let's place more bets. Let's place more bets. Let's get more going. Um, and, and figuring out ways for me not to be the limiter of, uh, of opportunity. Um, which is why I think I say yes to all the chambers. Like, how do I get, how do I get SEO moving? Um, is another another thing without it, my time being a limiter, given that I'm not full time on the business. Do you yeah. have any thoughts about that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going through the same thing and I'm, I'm waiting to hear what Demand Maven tells because I, I don't know how to do. I know how SEO used to work, which is like hire some person and on the other side of the world just because you can pay them less to like write 50 crappy articles a day and get long tail search volume from that and then probably do a little on-site optimization to convert those people. My impression is that does not work anymore. And the reason it sucks that that doesn't work anymore, like my impression is you have to like write really good, insightful stuff, which is good for the world. I'm glad that Google is, this isn't my experience as a user of Google, but what marketers say is Google's doing a better job of only sending traffic to high quality stuff. Um, but it also means fewer people can write it. Like yep. you could write really great content on health benefits stuff, but if the point is to remove you as a bottleneck, who else could write that? I, I have no idea. I, but, I, I don't know. That's why, like, I saw this person who seemed to like be able to write well, like to my standard. Um, and so, but I'm like, she doesn't know anything about health insurance, right? Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, so there's going to be it's going to be more expensive potentially to, for her to get the knowledge to be able to write, but and then it's still not going to be as yeah, you know, it's interesting. So it may not work. This has always been my problem. Is I, like it's not about saving my time. The problem is I am not a domain expert in the topics that bring CRM traffic. Like, mm. like if the thing I'm so jealous of, a competitor of ours, close.io, or maybe did they get the .com? I don't know. Close uh, is a CRM. And their founder is Steli FD, who's like in our circle, like in the kind of the microconf community stuff. But he's like, he's a sales guy. He knows all these sales tricks. He, you can just, when you hear him talk, you're like, yeah, this guy sells. And he writes great content. And I'm just like, I don't know any of the stuff he's talking about. So how do I compete with that? So you're saying like the kind of the new SEO world domain expertise is like a, is a, is a necessary first step. Good writing is second. And yeah. Um, and as a result, like it's hard to outsource it to a I, non-domain expert. A question I have is, cause I was just listening to a podcast. I think it was startups for the rest of us with Rob Walling. And he was with Asia, a Asia Arangio, who is the head of demand maven. So she's the person I hired. Mm -hmm. Um, she was saying, I, th I think it was that it might have been, it might not have been that uh, episode. Someone was saying on something I was listening to recently, you expect a writer if you hire like an SEO agency or something like that, you expect a writer to write one piece of content every two weeks. And I was like, wow, that is a lot less than I thought. What's your reaction to hearing that? I mean, how much are you paying the person? I would think that would cost like two hundred or four hundred dollars. Yeah, so I think those days are gone. Okay. I think the but but what they didn't get into, and I wish I, I'm curious about this, is that because the assumption is this person is not a domain expert and a lot of that time is spent doing the research. Like Maybe. Can, could someone who doesn't know anything about health insurance but is a great writer spend two weeks reading about a topic and then write like a really badass post on it? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think you could do that with a, just a smart person who's a good writer can do that about just about anything. Yeah. But then like you, you, so, but, but I think what, what's interesting here is there is sort of like the more you use the same writer, the more domain expertise they build yeah. and the higher the return on investment. So what I'm thinking about now is there's probably like a test. What I'm thinking about with this particular contractor is I'll probably do a test post on something more generic. Um, and then just see like, does, does like, do we work well together? You know, is the content like good um, can't, is it postable? Like how much editing is involved? Um, if that goes well, like rather than do more blog posts, like it's probably a big piece of content mm -hmm. that's 
lots and lots of words and lots and lots of pages that is a core piece and then spawns multiple posts from that. And so I'm, I'm starting to think about this project differently than it's not just a blog post writer. It's probably a, a blog post test, small piece of content test to validate, and then a big project that leads to lots of little, little um, pieces of content. That makes because sense. Of, because of the investment and the do- domain expertise thing. Anyway, th- that helped me think through it. I, Thank you. Sorry to belabor this, but I, uh, I talked a while back about the book Traction by Gabriel Weinberg, um, which lists all these different traction channels. And I was kind of interested when I hit that, that they do SEO and content marketing as two different channels, um, which I, which what you were just saying kind of made me think of that. And they're basically saying SEO is target the keywords and get the people to come to your site who are searching for stuff. Content marketing, I'm probably slightly oversimplifying it, but it's write content so good, people are going to share it. Yeah, it's content manufacturing and SEO is figuring out how to take that content um, and scientifically manipulate Google. Yeah, but the the way I interpreted this book is like, it's not the same content probably. Oh, you know, you got to repurpose it. But a good SEO person is able to do that if the content's already written. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, Yeah, I guess it didn't talk about the repurposing, but like the idea that like write this one really massive great article, that's probably bad for SEO because it's like you just spend a lot of time uh, like one page cannot be that great for SEO probably, but it it's much more likely to get shared. It's much more likely to um, really engage people who actually land on it. I like it. Um, I have some more updates, but I feel like you've got a big topic that we definitely want time for. Do you want to do your topic? And then if I have time for my updates later, I'll squeeze them in at the end. It's kind of related to the SEO thing. So maybe this is um, something we can talk more about as I dive into it, but maybe as a, ooh, precursor like here's what i'm here's what i'm thinking like i've mentioned chambers of commerce as an investment i feel really good about that i've mentioned um seo as an investment we're going to do that the i have expertise in chamber of commerce marketing i have expertise in seo i could but like what's different about digital marketing like getting into you know paid uh, search paid display retargeting um, net new audiences, audience deployment. I don't know what any of this stuff means still. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't have that expertise. And so I just don't know where to start with this, but I would love to, I would love to get the ball rolling where if someone comes to leg up site, they're in Utah and they look at like creating an account or a contact page, like retargeting them with, with some sort of messaging. I don't, I don't think it's a good use of my time. I think to try to figure that out. I want to have a partner in crime who can help me with that? That's what I'm, you know, trying to solve for. But I don't know. Like, have you? Do you have any suggestions on where to go? Like, I my my thought is like, go find a digital marketing agency to help me with this. Yeah, I've um, I've never personally, excuse me, <clears throat> I've never personally hired a uh, like full service digital marketing agency. Like, we're working with Demand Maven, but they even they're like pretty clear on their website. They're like. Once we give you your recommendations, you're going to have to go find a different agency or do it in-house or something. Um, so is the idea that like you hire them and then they just figure the rest out or just that they've got they've got a copywriter, they've got a designer, they've got SEO and whatever you say the next project is, they'll have a person to do it. Yes. I think like I, I need someone to execute my ideas and provide me feedback on whether they're working. Mm-hmm. Um, and present 
ideas like kind of riff on my ideas. I don't okay. want someone to come per, like do what demand Maven's doing where they're like, I'm going to go meet with everyone at your business. I'm going to talk to customers. I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm like, no, I, I know what I want. Tell me what my tactical options are and help me execute the tactics. And let's decide whether it's working or not over time yeah. uh, incrementally. Cool. So what I'm about to say, A, agrees with what you just said, and B, does not help answer your question at all. But I just want to say <laughs> this for the audience's benefit. I think a very common mistake people make is they think you can like 100% delegate things. We, we've talked about this with employees before. So people know I don't feel this way about employees. But so often I hear smart people who talk about contractors differently. Like as long as they're not a W-2 employee, all of a sudden delegation is much easier or something like that. We even saw two fairly high profile companies, um, maybe and Gumroad do this thing where they're like, we're hiring only contractors. That way we don't have to do any management. It's like, that is not how it works. It doesn't matter if the person works at an agency or they're a contractor or they're a W-2 employee you're still managing them and you still have to ensure their success. Right. So I just want to get that out there that that's like a rule. A thousand percent. Like, yeah. yes. Um, but I need someone who does have the expertise to execute um, and, and bring yeah. some like tactical, like a list of tactics we could do and the ability to execute them. And I think that's realistic. Yeah. Um, now my problem, I, I'm very skeptical of these general purpose marketing agencies because I, I know a handful of people who have like started a business without some core skills that you need. Sometimes it's building a website or whatever, even designing. A lot of times marketing agencies get hired to design products. And I feel like people are just like, rather than having any of this ability in-house, I'm going to hire this person. And it's always gone terribly. Like the, the quality of the work is awful and all that. I'm sure there are good marketing agencies out there, but I've only ever heard nightmares. Yeah. You're making me f like want to go find like co a contractor who like, mm. I'm feeling really confident about this copyright person because she's focused and specialized and a one, uh, kind of a one woman shop. Yeah. And I'm wondering maybe if I, I need to find someone like that. Who's like kind of doing this on their own and scrappy and kind of can, can, it's not a team of people. It's one person. Um, who's like specializing in this stuff. I like that a lot, but let, let me argue against what I just said a little bit. Okay. Is the reason the people I know is the reason when they hired a marketing agency that it failed, is it that marketing agencies are just like overpriced, low quality work? Or is it that these people were hiring someone to do an impossible task and didn't set them up to succeed, but you, Rick, have a much better, you already have a lot of ex expertise. You expect to be able to, to, to manage them rather than fully delegate and maybe the exact same agencies would have worked fine for you. Which of those seems more right? I think that um, the more people who are involved at our stage, it, the less likely it's going to succeed because it's going to be mm -hmm. lower budgets and precision. Like it needs to be precise. The budget's um, a big thing. Yeah. And so I think at a larger organization where you're spending more money and you're getting more like dedicated resources, like I would much rather have one person focused on this for 10 hours a week than 10 people focused on it one hour. And I feel like with a yeah. full server, full service agency, there's specialization involved. And so like you get like multiple people, less of more people. And I, I feel like that is not going to be successful because there is a certain amount of time that you need to invest just to understand what needs to be done much. It doesn't have anything to do with actually ex executing. And we, I think we would eat all the agency's time up and just getting everyone on the same page. Yeah. Well, and this is, this could be a whole 
separate episode that doesn't even necessarily have to be about agencies, but like, how does any early stage bootstrap startup compete when like every other company has so much more budget? And the and like everyone wants to come up with creative, clever answers to this, but it, there isn't one. It's the founder is dragging everyone else. I think. And if Does that you're mean I paying, need to, like, like drink some coffee and like figure out Google Ads, is that well, what you're I, I don't mean that necessarily. Uh, I, I said this for myself recently, or, or not recently, but a while back, I learned a lesson, which was what, uh, in the early days of hiring people, I hired people and I delegated, and I'm using air quotes here to them in the form of I abdicated. I said, oh, I don't want to think about marketing anymore. You go do marketing. And every time I did that, it failed. The times that it worked was when I hired somebody and said, I know how to do this. I take great pride in it. I don't want you to take this, like to, to change this radically. I want you to come in, learn how to do it my way, and then make it better. Um, so it's fine to, ha- to have other people doing a lot of the work, I think, but you can't abdicate responsibility. And I'm not saying you, you want to here. That's not my point. But I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble putting a point on this, but like marketing agencies charge a premium. And in, a, in the best case scenario, they do good work. But it doesn't matter. You don't have enough money to pay the premium. You you have to be the differentiator that allows low cost to get good results, I think. And, and I think I'm I'm realizing that the first phase of this probably isn't going straight to a contractor. It's it's investing in a amount of knowledge so that I I can evaluate and manage mm. a person. And yeah. it's like, maybe like I hire a coach. It's like almost like a, hey, I need to go find a digital marketing expert and pay them to teach me. Yeah. That's a, probably a better use of resources right now than... Um, do you have time for that? Uh, do I have time for it? Like if um, you were full-time on Leg Up Health, I'd say do, do just go do it all. Like yeah. you you have the skill set to, to learn this and be like you don't need anyone else's help. So the interesting thing about digital marketing um, is that it helps. It, it's it's like, um, the, like it, it has the crossover with windfall. Um, mm. So... so that's the space windfall plays in that I'm still like, not quite like as strong. I, I could be a much stronger domain expert and help windfall more if I were. So that's where it's like interesting to like say like, Oh, this makes sense to spend not windfall time on, but like yeah. this, this has like multiple multiplying uh, returns on investment. Um, so do I have time? Not at the expense of, I have to drop some, like say no to something else to make time right. for this, but you know, maybe I should. I mean, my playbook, if I were in your shoes, I think would be subscribe to some podcasts from people who are really good at whatever you want to be doing here. Follow some people like that on Twitter. And something I did recently that was surprisingly effective, I followed a couple of people on Twitter who run agencies and I haven't hired any of them yet and I forget their names, so I'm not going to say who they are. But if I had to hire, like, I think I may be needing to hire an SEO person at some point. And I already know who they are because I follow them on Twitter and they've convinced me through tweets. Um, so you could potentially do that and just start like getting a feel for who's in this world. What are they talking about? What are these topics? Um, but I do think hiring a individual contractor or three, however many you need and doing, putting the pieces together is likely to be a better fit just generically for any early stage bootstrap company than hiring a full service agency. That's my guess. I, I agree with that takeaway. The other takeaway here is like, I, I just want to reiterate, like if you don't know how to manage something um, and, you're, and you're not going to invest the time into learning how to manage it, like you probably shouldn't hire someone yeah. that you're going to manage to do it. 100%. Um, uh, so 
I'm my takeaway is I need to go learn how to manage this. Um, and I'm going to go do that. Supplement to that point. Don't hire someone if you don't have time to work with them. Like with demand Maven, they're doing 95% of the work, but like every week they send us something. They're like, Hey, we need these metrics from you. And can you send an email to all these customers to arrange the interview? If we didn't have time to commit to supporting them, the whole thing would have been a flop. And I do think that's a mistake people make. They hire the agency and then they're like, let me know Wait. in three months when growth is good. And then they're like, meanwhile, like we've been blocked for three months. We haven't yeah. got anything done. <laughs> yeah. Um, final closing thought for me on this. There is a middle option we haven't talked about, which is a, an agency, but not a full service agency. That's what Demand Maven is. If you go to their website, they're like, we are for SaaS businesses and we do growth marketing or I, I'm not getting their Speci- positioning. A specialized right, but, agency. Right. And this other person I'm talking about, runs an agency just doing SEO. And I don't even think they write the content. I think they just do the SEO research. Um, I'm guessing that is cheaper. And then you can fill in the gaps rather than at a full service agency. You're paying a premium for that work as well as for all this other work that you could potentially do yourself. Who is the SEO person? I don't remember his name and I don't feel comfortable recommending him anyway. I I, I could, I'll privately tell it to you, but I have no idea if he's actually good. I just am impressed by his Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. I would love for you to Slack me that. Yeah. uh, I'm happy to do that. And hopefully one of us hires him and then we can actually say his name. (laughs) I don't know. Is it, maybe I'm being, is it weird to like recommend someone you have no experience working with? I I think like mentioning him and recommending him are two separate things. Um, Yeah. So it's like disclaimer, I haven't worked with it. Like who this person is, is this, Um, I mean, I wouldn't have any problem putting the link in the show notes, for example. Here, I'll look it up real quick. Even even if this person is a terrible SEO person, he's at least good at selling agency services on Twitter. Well, maybe we should hire him as a social media marketer. Yeah. Oh, except I don't remember what his name is. The worst is when you get like you're trying to hire a web designer, and you like get these proposals from people, like pitches from people reaching out to you who have terrible websites, and it's like. Like I'm not yeah. going. No, your website like it's you terrible. Are, can't possibly good be good at web design <laughs> if your website looks like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. This person, some other indie hacker I follow, uh, recommended following them. Um. J H Shirk, S C H E R C K. I will. I'll. I'll send you an actual link, Rick. And if I remember, I will put this in the show notes. But cool. J H Shirk is the person I'm talking about. Sorry for um taking a lot of the time today. It was super helpful to me. Um. You have some stuff left over for. Uh, the next episode, which we can, <laughs> uh, which we can cover when we we get there. Yeah, sounds good. Um, right, anything so else do you want us? Do you want to talk about before we jump? Let me do a couple of these rants and shoutouts, just because we okay. do have a few minutes. In, unless right. you got somewhere to be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, okay, I want to. So I, I, a common theme I keep going back to is like I'm a hater, and I'm often like more negative than a lot of other people are. And I'm trying to like justify that by convincing people it's okay. I found my people on Reddit. I should have already known about this subreddit, but it's r slash buttcoin, it's called, B-U-T-T, buttcoin. And it's a subreddit just making fun of Bitcoin, which A, I love the topic. But what I especially love is every once in a while you go in the, the comments and somebody's like, hey, like a lot of people are being hurt by the the downturn in Bitcoin like you guys should stop having fun. And like the first comment and all, he's like, fuck you. I want to have fun. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love it. I love their attitude. And to be clear, I do have sympathy for people who unknowingly got scammed by Bitcoin and stuff, but our butt coin just has my vibe of negativity so much. I'm loving, I'm loving following that. (laughs) 
<laughs> just thought yeah, I'd I'm, give I'm, it a I'm looking at right up. now, like I, someone posted an image of some guy who clearly like who, who t- tweeted, um, he's bullish on Bitcoin and he's cl- clearly like the leader of like a Bitcoin focused company. Mm-hmm. And this guy replies, no shit. You bet your whole company's future on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. <laughs> This is just like one after the other with these. It's hilarious. And they have these amazing running jokes in every comment thread because almost all the posts are like something bad happening because there's a lot of bad stuff happening right now. And the first comment is always, this is good for Bitcoin because that's what all the like Bitcoin stands always say is like something happens. They're like <laughs> Counterintuitively, this is actually good for Bitcoin. This will be in our favor in the long term. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the other thing I want to complain for a second. Um, we've talked we've talked about Webflow a ton on this podcast. I think I summarize this correctly to say you and I both love the product and the pricing is just nonsense. Like the not not the actual price, but like the way trying to understand what you will pay because there's like all these different things you have to pay for in different places, right? Yeah. So when you they, add an, a team member, like it's yeah, like the worst yeah. thing ever. Because you pay for your site, which is separate from paying for your team. Did you get the email about Webflow workspaces? No. Um, I got this email this week and it's like the email... It's like good news. We've like simplified everything, given you more control. Pricing is like a whole, like so much better now. And I was like, thank God, this was like the worst part of Webflow. And thank, thankfully, they fixed it. So I'm like gleefully clicking the link, and I click the link, and all it is is a price increase, and nothing else changed, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I'm so fr- and I don't care about the price increase. Webflow is worth what they charge me. I'm not mad about that. But from what I can tell, they've done nothing to simplify this problem. And they, they wouldn't even just have the courage to say, we're raising your price. Oh, man. It frustrated me. And they, they did technically, I think there's like some power features you get with this new workspaces thing. But like for my use case, uh, nothing changed as far as I can tell. Well, I didn't get the email, so I'm, hope, I'm hoping nothing changed for me. But I don't yeah. have any team members. So That's funny. I, I, well, I give everyone my login. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I should share a login. The nice thing is this caused me to go dive into their pricing and I realized we could actually drop down a tier. So they raised my <laughs> price and then I downgraded. So they lost money off this. <laughs> good, good job. Screw them. <laughs> um, the uh, best investment um, I've made at Leg Up Ventures is 1Password, which saves me from having to add additional users to things. JD and I hmm. just share the login and nice. it's painless. Um, yeah. I assume that's technically against like terms of service and stuff, but who cares? I didn't say it. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, w- worst case scenario, they come and say, hey, pay for both. And I assume like long term, the plan would be to, but you're in scrappy mode right now. Scrappy mode for sure. I didn't. I'm just kidding. Don't don't sue me. I can't afford to get sued right now. At Less Annoying Serum, we we let we explicitly let people do this. Um, I mean, it could be abused and we we could technically stop them. But when people call and ask, we're like, yeah, go ahead. If if our product is not providing enough value that you want multiple users, you should not have to pay for multiple users. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, those are my rants and shout outs. Thanks for hearing me complain about stuff. <laughs> um, more to come next week or two weeks from now. Um, yep. If you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.